Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on. Sixth and Peabody, our studio location for Outkick with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. John McClain will join us in about 20 minutes. Kurt Schilling and hour number three. Chad, uh, Cam Newton says there are not 32 starting quarterbacks currently in the NFL better than him. He's, he's through today at Auburn's Pro Day. Um, he's not the first to do that. Colin Kaepernick did that at Michigan uh, with uh, Harbaugh with the invite there. I think Manziel did this too with A&M. I may be dead wrong on that, but I feel like Sounds Johnny like Manziel Johnny did football that. would have done. Uh, Newton's doing it just to get in front of scouts and to get back into a camp, potentially. Um but he's going to have to do it as a backup, regardless of who's starting right now. I think the sentiment around the league is, if Cam wants to come in and be a quality backup, we're here for it. But, you know, he stirs the pot with being open and honest. If he's better than the guy in front of him, he's going to let everyone know, not just the, the head coach and the teammates playing with, within that locker room. And I think that's been the rub so far over the last couple of years. He's a, turning 34, I believe. Uh, by the time the season rolls around. And the last time we saw him start, it wasn't great. So you got to go into a camp and prove it, not go into a camp thinking you're getting the job. Former number one overall pick with the Panthers, when he had his last pro day at Auburn, or when he went through the combine, I don't even know what he did in the combine, but when you go through that process, all the scouts, all the GMs, everyone, they're trying to see a certain level of alpha like mentality, if you're going to be a top draft pick at quarterback. Confidence yep. that you can do the job, that you are the man, and no one's going to take your job, and you're the guy that can get the job done. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for the opposite right now in Cam Newton. They're looking for something that I don't know that he fully possesses, humility. Because Cam Newton is going to have to earn a spot as a starting quarterback. And when you come out of the gates guaranteeing that there's not 32 starting quarterbacks better than you – even if you believe that, that's not the right approach for Cam Newton right now. I'm not saying he's wrong. If he's remotely healthy, he's probably right. Would I rather have a totally healthy Cam Newton over Sam Howell? Yes, right now, from what I know about both. Could be wrong on that pick also, but that's what I would take. So if Cam Newton could show a little bit of humility, put the pride aside, put the grandiosity aside, and just say, I'm here to work, and to be a member of a team. And I will show that I can be a starting quarterback in this league again. If he took that approach, I think he'd find great success again. And if not great success, he would be a starter in the National Football League again. But when you start going back to old Cam, and you can't shake that old Cam quality that he would have had in his MVP season, he would have had when he led the Panthers to the Super Bowl, that's all great when you are great. He hasn't been in quite some time now. And what NFL teams want to know is that he can come in and compete for a backup role right. that could eventually become a starting role. And he's not showing that right now. Yeah. I mean, it, at least with his statements. But, and the teams we would throw out right now 
are going to have rookies starting for them or Aaron Rodgers starting for them by the time the season rolls around, right? The Jets, Texans, um, uh, Carolina right now is Andy Dalton starting, but that's not going to last very long uh, either. So I mean, the, the, the options there dwindle by the time you get to camp. So yeah, if Cam's willing to go in and compete for a backup role, great. But I don't think his mentality allows him to do that. And, and that was a great quality for him. I don't think it serves him well right now. And, you know, but I think also a, a bit of humility, Chad, is throwing at the pro day at Auburn. So maybe this does lead him down that path because, you know, there are others that are, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. had the private workout, for instance, for teams. He's asking for a lot more than Cam. Uh, but Cam's saying he's better than some starters right now in the league. I, I agree it's with also him right now. Based on what we're seeing with Zach Wilson, who's the starter in New York, he's the only quarterback there. But that's not for long. I'm also, and I'm not talking about uh, just going and saying, oh, I'm great. It's different with uh, Odell, who's a receiver, right? Yeah. who's one of a collection of guys. Yep. And when you're and trying your to be a quarterback and you're coming off the top rope before you have to go back to your old college for a pro day to show off for scouts saying, I know there's not 32 starters better than me in the NFL. That's just not what they want to hear right now. And if I'm Cam Newton's agent, I would say, even if you don't believe it, here is the approach you should take right now. And I believe in you, Cam. I think you can become a starter again. Here is the route to becoming a starter again. And it's not making these huge statements before your second pro day at Auburn when you're trying to show off for well, GMs. And here's where the pro day will serve him best. It will be in October and November, December, when a quarterback goes down, the backup is banged up, and you start signing guys to your practice squad and your active roster. So you go back to what you saw from Cam today, presuming it was good, and you bring him in for a workout, and then you sign him to your active roster for that week. That is where he is right now in the stage of his career based on how long he's missed, and the last time we saw him play, it wasn't great. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Uh, Adam Schefter... Uh, clarified and gave some color to the the text exchange or maybe one big exchange with Aaron Rodgers where Rodgers sent him a text that said, lose my number, good try though. Um, it, it, this was with Peter King from NBC. I had a number, I had, had his number for a while, never once used it. Trey Wingo reported last Monday he was hearing that Rodgers to the Jets was done. And the day he did it, ESPN was going live from three to five on free agency Everyone was saying Aaron Rodgers to the Jets is done. We're on the air for two hours. I call the Jets. I call the Packers. I call Rodgers advisors. No one's saying anything. And from there, he details the conversation with Diana Rossini. So I'm sitting there on set with Diana. Should I text Rodgers? She said, yeah, text him. At 3.35, I texted him. I say, basically, have you informed the Jets that you'd like to play there? I wanted to open up to you. He said he didn't, he didn't respond for maybe 10 minutes. So then I called the number and got sent to voicemail. And then at that point, the infamous text rolls through. Lose my number, good try, though. That's all. He's the one who says the media is getting it wrong. I wanted to go to the source and get it right. That's all. I was just trying to do my job. That from Schefter to Peter King, clarifying the timeline that led to the lose my number text that Rogers was referencing. It's a great lesson to young reporters out there. Yeah, Be a bulldog. Because Adam well, Schefter sent a text. And the fact he's never used it is And then it is didn't get a response surprising. for five to ten minutes and called him. And then that's what prompted Aaron. He said, I've got a text from this guy. 
Now he's calling me. I'm sending it to voicemail. Now I'll send this text saying lose my number. Don't be afraid of having a star NFL quarterback and future Hall of Famer text you to lose their number. This is a great lesson for all young reporters out there that Adam Schefter is teaching you right now. Do not be afraid. I love this whole thing. I love it from Aaron Rodgers. I love the fact that Adam Schefter just said, I'll just go to the guy if the report's out there and ask. We'll we'll go straight to the person and find out if it's true. This is a great tactic by him, and it's a funny response from Aaron Rodgers. I love the story all the way around. Schefter, he earns uh, the contract he gets from from ESPN and Disney. Disney's about to lay off... uh, thousands of employees as well. 7,000 employees. We mentioned uh, Amazon's about to do the same. And ESPN, they're bracing for uh, another big round of layoffs. Uh, Bob Iger saying that through Disney. It's not just, it's the strategy through the entire company. Um, But among those untouchable, and this is from Andrew Marchand, he's uh, Monday Night Football, untouchable, with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, Scott Van Pelt. And that's pretty much it. That's who they're mentioning as the guys who make big money that they're not going to do anything I would say Stephen with. A. Smith is also on that list. Yeah. And, I know, well, uh, and, the, and the qualification is that you, that you move the needle, that you're uh, being used in the same role that you were signed up to be. Like the, the, the reference from Marchand was Chris Fowler and how he's making three mil and they're nowhere close to signing him based on how the contract negotiations have been going. So could we see a new game day host? They want so they're trying to bring in uh, McAfee. McAfee and FanDuel are negotiating. ESPN wants McAfee, and uh, yeah, they're they're trying to also bring in other properties and and have them you know join up through ESPN. Uh, I'm I'm really intrigued based on the number of people we. I mean, they have six seven people at a desk at a time. How they can actually dwindle those numbers and who it's going to be versus who they keep. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to find, uh, was it Bobby Barak, Davey, that wrote the article at OutKick? So Bobby Barak, you know, speculated that yeah, what, I've got what, it here. what we're going to see is a lot more middle-aged white guys getting the axe, but also that Scott Van Pelt is going to be safe, um, that Kirk Street's probably going to be safe in this deal. Right now, the New York Post is reporting Chris Mad Dog Russo has signed a contract extension at ESPN to continue to be a co-host and contributor on First Take on ESPN. He so makes ten grand every time he goes on. The middle-aged white guy's looking okay right now with uh, some of the, the reports of who's going to be safe in this whole deal. So, look, it's 7,000 employees. It's Disney employees. Mm-hmm. For those that aren't aware, Disney owns a ton. So what piece of this is going to be ESPN? It's obviously not 7,000 ESPN employees, but it's going to be high-ranking people, executives, talent that makes a lot of money, I think that's what's going to get squeezed out in this whole deal. So there's going to be a shakeup. And if I had to guess with a lot of the initiatives going on at ESPN, are the older white media members probably more at risk? Yes, I would say so. But I'm also hearing that a lot of the names that people know are on the untouchable list at ESPN of those that aren't going to get axed when these cuts happen. Yeah, and but in, we're going to know in the next month. how many month. Of, the, of the jobs are they bringing back? Because during the pandemic, they cut 300 jobs and didn't fill 200 of them afterwards. So, you know, that could be the other step here. Um, you know, if you're, to me, if you're on air right now with ESPN, you're, you've, you're okay. Right now, I'm saying. Um, you mentioned Stephen A. He's making, what, 12, 15 a year, probably. Um, Mina Kimes and all those shows. 
Russo, uh, Russo told Stern he's making ten grand every time he goes on, right? Yeah. So and he, now, now it's a contract. So here's the ten grand he makes for every appearance. I think that goes down. I think what happens now is probably more of a standard contract where he makes a set amount and they yeah. get as much out of him as possible, and it's not sort of this you know at will employee type uh, arrangement. If I'm going to go through and cut redundancies, if I'm ESPN and you're Bob Iger at Disney and you're having you're charged with doing all this, I'm cutting that out and I'm giving the people we like an actual contract to where I'm probably eventually paying them less. And there's if you're a middle manager at ESPN right now, I'd be very nervous. I think those are the jobs people that we don't know who they are because they're not on camera, they're not they- on mic. A lot of those people are going to lose their jobs, also. Yeah, and ESPN is a property that that does it is profitable. Uh, Marshan says that they make seven hundred fifty million a month off of cable fees alone for what they're charging to have you on Directv or just access anything. Period from uh, any cable network that's paying for the rights to to distribute ESPN. Um, but Disney's lost over one hundred twenty billion in market share recently. So the layoffs will happen. Um, and look, I, I don't have any names that pop to mind, but I'm all for dwindling down the desks from the six or seven and having three or four, right? Because it's just a cluster at that point. If they were to add Pat McAfee and his show, that's going to cost them a lot. Well, but they've, they already they brought him in as a co-host of Game, Game Day, Day, right? Yeah. And I think they're trying to build off of that. And well, I'm saying, but the next step would be add his show. Right now, it's just on its own YouTube channel. Right, and it's 120 million over four years with FanDuel, and he's what two years, two and a half years into that contract with FanDuel. And I would think that you know FanDuel would love it, right? If they just added it to the ESPN daily lineup. Yeah, but but um, do you keep FanDuel's the- not with ESPN, are they? Well, they would be. Under this, if they brokered a deal. Not if they're under contract with DraftKings or another account, if you're ESPN. Yeah, I, I think ESPN's probably omni-book in terms of their advertising. I don't feel like it's just one that's on, on ESPN all the time. They would take money from anyone. So I'm saying that it would be complex, but that's, there's a, lo- that's a lot of money moving over. If Pat McAfee's show suddenly moved to ESPN. That, that's the most intriguing part of this to me is, do they move that over in his day part and put it on ESPN, big ESPN every day, during the middle of the day, and then do they also keep their rights to their YouTube channel, which is profitable? Do they broker a deal with FanDuel? There's just a lot of moving parts to how that would work if his show moved over, as well as him having a good relationship with ESPN, being on game day right yeah. now as, as is. And Chad, you, you made a, a point a couple weeks, few weeks ago now, um, with the focus on the properties that ESPN and Disney are going to be paying for. NFL, one point something billion is what they're paying uh, in the new deal with the NFL moving forward. A little over two probably as the years progress, as things kick in uh, for the Monday Night Football package. And the SEC is coming on board in 2025. The Pac-12, they're looking for a network, but reports are, they're nowhere close to a deal with ESPN with the Pac-12 for the new rights agreement. Uh, and this would be case in point of what we're seeing with the layoffs coming too. They're not going to invest in something that doesn't produce the ratings like the NFL and the SEC will uh, for the, the four-letter network. It's, it's a disaster for the Pac-12. It's a disaster, and now the Utah 
AD is saying there's solidarity in those four corner states with Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, and staying in the Pac-12. And I'm just thinking, why? Because it, they, they're responding to rumors that they were talking with the Big 12, right? Again, why wouldn't you be talking with the Big 12? Right. I yeah. mean, I'm checking in with that with George Klyavikov's office every day and getting an update. If I'm one of these Pac-12 schools, I want to know what's going on and just how bad the market is for the Pac-12. I want the, the harsh reality of the marketplace if I'm a Pac-12 school because I'm absolutely considering other options if you can't broker a good deal for media. I really think the best course of action right now, and this is the latest bit of bad news for the Pac-12, that they're nowhere near a deal with ESPN – the best course of action is do something temporary. Get what you can in the meantime, even if that's an experimental deal, whether it be with Apple TV or some other streamer, and then try to bridge the gap until maybe the market's a little bit friendlier for this type of thing. Maybe in two years, suddenly there's just a big gush of money everywhere and that the media sports media landscape looks a little better for you. The rights deal landscape looks better for you. Because right now, they're just getting their ass kicked. Well, but it's the, the Apple discussion seems to have tailed off, too. You know, Apple got involved two weeks ago. Uh, there was a, uh, an offer on the table from ESPN with the Pac-12 that was uh, identical to what the Big 12 received. Uh, it's not there anymore. And, and now what do you do if Apple's not there? All we know of is Ion that's made a, an, the offer to, to carry their games. They do have the pre- like so Oregon's now got a president who was at Wisconsin, Chad. So at the time, at Wisconsin, they expanded the Big Ten, and he was on board with that, with the Big Ten expansion. So I don't know why they would pair together now, and I think it's important that it's those four together, because if you believe that we're going to see Washington and Oregon go to the Big Ten, well, um, Oregon's included in this, right? In this, this pack together? With yeah. the, the, those that have said they're staying in the Pac-12? Well, they're saying there's solidarity amongst every... The Utah the Utah idea is saying there's solidarity in the Pac-12. That includes Washington, Oregon, everyone. They're not leaving. And I just think that's complete hogwash. It has to be. Because once the rights are up, they can leave. Yeah, there the may be solidarity between the four, you know, Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, not talking to the Big 12 and not wanting to leave. But that solidarity is out the window when you can't close on a media deal yeah. for everyone. And when you're your most profitable product can't be viewed nationally. And when the answer to all your problems are, let's add San Diego State and SMU, and that's going to solve the problem. That's not solving anything. No. Uh, You will be a solution for conference expansion in the Big Ten or or the Big 12. That's the solving the problem at individual universities. What we'll see is we'll see groups of like two and four university, four programs band together and jump ship if things don't work out soon. And if you're ESPN, do you go bargain basement and try to get them? Do you have some like, you know, Pac-12 at, you know, night kickoffs after the SEC? I think that if I am... How bad does the ESPN, offer need to be for the Pac-12 to take ESPN on that? Well, from if, anywhere you, else, if you I'm wanted saying. to get decent money on ESPN, Fox, anywhere with Pac-12, you move your games to Fridays and Thursdays. They, yeah. You go into they're a window where there's kind no, of doing there's that. No You're saying all of it. I, not all of it, but a lot of it. We've seen some Friday night games before. I'm doing a Friday late Fox. afternoon game that airs at you know 6, 6 p.m. 
and then it's a four Man. it's a four p.m. three p.m. start on a Friday. Classes a- get out early. You're completely inconveniencing your fan base. But if you just want to make yeah. TV money, and I'm thinking about what do I want as a viewer? Well, if I could have a nice five p.m. Central or six p.m. Central and nine p.m. Central Time, ten p.m. Eastern, Pac-12 doubleheader on an ESPN or Fox. That's two good games. That's pretty cool. That's more than what you're getting on Friday night right now, which is one mediocre game on ESPN or Big Ten Network. And the Pac-12 going against some of those private schools out in California for high school football would be fascinating, too. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. You're <laughs> sacrificing. Now, in those states, I don't think it matters as much as Big Ten territory, SEC territory. Yeah. Friday nights aren't as sacred in the state of Arizona as it is in the state of Alabama. We've certainly seen some NIL deals come out of California. As an though. example, yeah. But, again... I'm I'm saying what I would do. There's it's not there's nothing perfect. I know this is what I would want as they a viewer. In a bad spot. If I'm ESPN and I'm Fox and I'm saying I, we're willing to give you the money that you want or close to it, here's what you have to do. You have to play your games at 3 p.m. Pacific time on a Friday. <laughs> Deal? Because we want a 6 p.m. window on FS1 or Fox or ESPN or whoever you're dealing with. That's where we want your product. So get your alumni association together oh, and, and make sure they can make it to Berkeley, California at 3 p.m. for that Friday afternoon kickoff leading into your high school football games oh, on Friday and, night. And oh, by the way, we're going to give you the contract that we gave IMG Academy on for the Friday games. What do you think about 9 a.m. games on Saturday? <laughs> That's the next thing. And they, they've talked about that for years. There's going to be the occasional Saturday morning kickoff to hit the so they can get into an 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Yeah. Eastern window. And, and that's going to help them with a media deal. And that's the highest rated window for Fox on yep. Big Noon Kickoff. John McClain joins us coming up. We will discuss the report from Florio about Lamar Jackson and negotiating with other teams, as well as the movement across free agency and preparing for the draft. How many, how many teams who have brought in a quarterback this offseason are about to draft a quarterback early in the first round? Movers in the first round. That's next on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Putnam Withrow. About to be joined by John McClain. Uh, we were reading through the press conference of Rick Patino at St. John's being introduced at Madison Square Garden. And uh, Ed Cooley will be introduced at Georgetown tomorrow. And we'll give you details on Patino, who's just putting expectations really high and saying that the current roster at St. John's won't be able to meet those those expectations that he has for his program now. John McClain joins us, and the headlines include Lamar Jackson, DeAndre Hopkins on the trade block, and more. John, congratulations to the Houston Cougars who continue to mount wins. They're headed to the Sweet 16 with championships on the, on the mind, certainly, of everyone there. Uh, Mattress Mac bet on them before the season. 
And if they win it here in NRG Stadium, he's going to win a lot of money like he did on Kansas last year when he won $15 million. But he sold so much furniture with his promotions. Yeah. And he's been doing this forever, about $5,000 worth of furniture. Cougars win it. You get it free, free, free. So he had to pay back a lot on Kansas and pay a lot back on the Astros, but he loves doing it. U of H here is getting a lot of attention. Rockets are terrible, so they've kind of captivated the city right now. And it's very exciting. First time since Yao Ming played for the uh, Rockets, really, when uh, he was young, we've had this kind of excitement except one year with Chris Paul and James Harden. What would the atmosphere be like at the Final Four there with Houston involved? I just wish Houston and Texas could play in the championship game. You'd have over 74,000 people in red and burn orange, and I hate burn orange. And I think they could play Sunday if both win. But if U of H made the final, everybody loves Kelvin Sampson here. He's done it the hard way. He started at the bottom, worked his way up with the Cougars, and people are fired up about it. It would kind of be the, the disappointment for Five Slam and Jamma, the greatest team in history to never win a championship with Kim Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler. It would kind of be um, a lot of University of Houston fans who were born then uh, would certainly feel relieved that they finally won a national championship. They're just sorry it wasn't for the late Guy V. Lewis who put this program on the map. John, my thoughts on Houston completely flipped when I saw Marcus Sasser have his game against Auburn, and especially that second half. I thought they would lose to Auburn when he wasn't 100%. And when I saw him, that he's still capable of that, and knowing that he should only get healthier from here, I'm right back to believing the Houston Cougars could win it all. I was in Las Vegas at Caesars Palace, and first time I'd been for the first two rounds, had friends told me, you got to come, and Ben, they were right. Round the clock, we spent over 10 hours in the sports book, four straight days, and I felt like I was at a tennis match because I was going back like that, looking at all the games. And I took University of Houston 18 and a half in the first one, and I lost, and I was afraid to bet on the second one because of Sasser's injury, and their point guard, Jamal Shedd, had an injury too. But halftime, Auburn's up 10. I thought, well, that dream's dead. And then it was a different University of Houston team. I was hoping they'd play Indiana because Kelvin Sampson coached there, and their head coach, Mike Woodson, played for the Rockets, so it would have been strong local angles. But Indiana, of course, was upset. John, talks are ramping up for DeAndre Hopkins uh, and the trade with the Cardinals. You certainly know about the trades with the Cardinals as we watch Bill O'Brien trade Hopkins for really nothing in return. The Cardinals are trying to get a second-round pick and other picks. What do you think the value is for Hopkins right now for a team that's looking for a veteran wide receiver? People got to be really worried. He's going to be playing this season at 31. He never missed but one game with the Texans. In his first year with the Cardinals, he didn't miss a game. But the last two, he's missed a lot because of injuries and because of his suspension last year. So whatever they get, I'm guessing it'll be a conditional pick. I don't see a team giving a, a two straight out for him. I could see a three. That could be a two based on how much he's able to play. You know, Hopkins, the reason the Texans got him 27th in the first round is he's not fast, but he's a great possession receiver. As you guys know, very reliable, great hands, 
always works hard on game days, never practices. He hadn't practiced in years. I remember when he got to Arizona, the first game, people are freaking out because he didn't practice. And I remember tweeting, R-E-L-A-X, he always answers the bell, and he does. So people are talking about him going to Cleveland, be reunited with Deshaun Watson, as a couple of former players here have done. But uh, if you're a team that needs a receiver, a possession receiver, and it can afford him on the cap, I'd do it. Not many teams could, right, with the cap situation across the league right now, maneuvering going on. Uh, is a team going to maneuver to get Lamar Jackson other than Baltimore? I don't think so. Nobody wants to pay a guaranteed contract. Now, he has a guy because no no player negotiates his own contract. They tried to say that about Laramie Tunsil. He's got three advisors that help him. If you're not a legit, legitimate certified agent, you're not supposed to be the one doing the negotiations. You're supposed to be the one who can advise him. And this guy is not a legal agent, is calling teams, according to what Mike Florio wrote on Pro Football Talk, and that's against the rules. And uh, so we'll see how it plays out, but it's pretty obvious teams don't want to be the second one to give a fully guaranteed contract for the kind of money Lamar Jackson appears to want. Although, according to Jackson, he turned down a three-year guarantee for almost $40 million a year. I think he should have taken it because then he'd be 29 years old, and with the condition he'd take it, you can't tag me the next time, and he'd be 29 uh, maybe being an unrestricted free agent. John, you were just in Vegas. What do you make of Vegas putting the Tennessee Titans as the second best odds to land Lamar Jackson behind the Baltimore Ravens? And this all coming on the heels of the report that Rand Carthon and the Titans asked Kevin Byard to take a pay cut, and he said, basically, no, you can cut me if you want to cut my pay. I'm, I'm playing well. I'm not going to do it. No, I don't blame Byard. I'll tell you what. If he's not with the Titans, there'll be a lot of teams like the Texans breathe, breathe a huge sigh of relief as they did when A.J. Brown was traded because he's called them all, caused them all kind of problems, as Brown did. I don't think uh, Lamar Jackson's going to Tennessee for an instant. You know, teams got all those cal- salary caps, problems that they do, having to rebuild an offensive line. I just don't see it, especially with the situation in the line. You bring in a new quarterback, he's probably going to take a beating, just like Derrick Henry, who's been taking beatings, but it could be worse. So I do not see that. I didn't when I saw that up there, I couldn't I couldn't believe it because I never thought for an instant the Titans would go after Lamar Jackson. John, the, the fully guaranteed money went to Watson, as we know, and, and based on cap hit and the restructuring that's going to have to take place a lot throughout that contract's lifetime. Um, you know, Cleveland is I think the perception is, well, all the money on the caps wrapped up with the, the, the quarterback. They don't have the, the necessities to go after free agents and other offensive weapons, but they're the, they're the team mentioned at the top of the list for the teams involved in the trade with the Broncos for Jerry Judy. Um, I guess Judy would be a short-term solution based on his contract situation. What I don't understand is when you have a new coach at the Broncos and he is an offensive coach, and he's supposed to come in there and help Russell Wilson rebound, why would Sean Payton want to get rid of a receiver? He should have a sign that says, buyer beware. If Sean Payton wants to trade him, there's something up 
because you take away Russell Wilson's receivers, that's not going to help him. And they got cap issues too. They're not going to be able to go out. You know, this is not a great receivers draft in the first round. Value starts in the bottom of the first round in the second and third round. So I'll believe that when I see it. But man, if I'm a team supposed to be interested in Jerry Judy, I want to know why are the Broncos getting rid of him? Can it be as easy of an answer for Denver as we traded our picks away for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson? We don't have first and second round picks and we can get one if we trade Judy. And then again, going to draft a wide receiver, maybe yeah, wide receiver who's not as experienced. It just tells me something. Like if you want to fit a guy under your cap, you can do it. You can make it work. Andrew Brandt, former agent, Green Bay cap specialist. I love what he writes, and he shows you how teams can do that if they're really shrewd with their cap. Of course, you keep paying a piper, and you're going to have to answer somewhere down the down the road, like the Rams did this past season, but. Uh, Jerry Judy, I know he was great at Alabama, number one pick, but I'd be scared of anybody he's trying to get rid of because if he was interested in draft picks, he'd find somebody else and not a receiver who could help Russell Wilson. John Brandon Cooks has mentioned he wanted to be traded for a while. He finally gets traded to Dallas. How did the deal come about, and why didn't it work for Cooks in Houston where he was – I mean, he's been traded for high picks before, twice before – and he's traded again now to the Cowboys. Yeah, this is the fourth time he's been traded, and there were le- legitimate reasons every time. When he was in New Orleans, they wanted a rookie uh, in the draft, first-round pick, Ryan Ramchick, playing right tackle. They took that pick and got him, and he's been really good. One year in New England, he played great. They didn't want to pay him big money because of the Caps. They traded him to the Rams. One big year, then he had two concussions, and they thought – Maybe the concussions were going to be something that would end his career. Bill O'Brien gave up a second-round pick at the urging of Jack Easterby, who had been with the Patriots when Cooks was there, and they had bonded. So they made that deal. He had 2,000-yard seasons, and then this year, Easterby gets fired. They were really close. And then they were on the verge of trading to the Cowboys. There was a report they turned down a second, which was erroneous as hell because no way – Nick Casario has stupid written on his forehead. So Cooks quit on him. He didn't go to practice. They pulled him out of a game, took his captaincy away. Then they put him back in the lineup, and he can still play, but he wanted to go to the Cowboys. So Nick Casario granted his wish for a five this year, six next year. He has a Texans 12 picks this year, 11 next year, and I'm happy for Cooks. He didn't fit in the plans. He was going to be traded it was just a matter of who to and for how much. And Dallas tried to sign Dalton Schultz back. They tagged him last year, tried to extend him uh, with a, a much better offer than what he ended up with in Houston. He bet on himself to hit free agency. The offers did not come in that way. And he signs a one-year contract with the Texans and with uh, plenty of upside on the contract, but not nearly what he felt like his value was based on the tag last year. The Texans get a solid weapon on offense for their rookie quarterback. Yesterday was the best day of the offseason the Texans have had in their third offseason under Nick Casario. They get the tight end that they needed to solve a big need, and then they get a running back to pair with Damian Pierce. Last year, they were terrible behind Pierce. They had Rex Bleeping Burkhead, Daria Gumbawale, and Royce Freeman, and that was a priority for a backup. And then they get Devin Singletary, who started the last three and a half years 
where the Bills averaged 850 yards rushing, never had less than 3.8, uh, I mean, less than th- 38 catches and averaged 4.7 yards in his career. So he'll come in here and probably he'll split 60-40. They won't have, hopefully they won't have to worry about losing Pierce for the last four games. So they, D'Amico Ryan's told us when he was hired, they have to establish the run. They have to improve the running game. They have Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce, and they traded for a new right guard in Shaq Mason. Now they need a center on offense and one more receiver, and uh, that'll be a pretty good offseason for them. John, final thing for you, Las Vegas and Seattle, they signed either their current quarterback in Geno Smith or in Vegas uh, with Jimmy G to big money in 2023. Are they both still in play for a quarterback early in the draft? I think Seattle, which is loaded on offense. When I was in Vegas, I looked for a long shot. That I started thinking about Pete Carroll and John Schneider. They know what they're doing. They got running back. They got two starting offensive linemen as rookie last year. They have depth and talent at receiver, tight end, but they're going to work on their defense. And my mock draft, I'm about to do my second one. I have Jalen Carter going there because they've proved they'll take anybody. And doesn't matter about character issues. And I don't think they'll take a quarterback. I think they're going to build that defense and hope they can bounce back and uh, have a shot at winning that division. John, thank you as always. Love these chats. Good luck to the Cougars and all the bets that you placed last week in Vegas. <laughs> Jonathan and Chad, like, thank you guys very much. I'll talk to you next week at uh, from the NFL Owners meetings in Phoenix. That'll be great. You're the man, John. Thank Gallery you. GallerySports.com with John McClain. Great friend of the show. He's been with us for years. Great insights. Covered the league for nearly five decades uh, and a pro football Hall of Fame. Select he has along seen with Armando. it all. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Um, we did not see a new record in college hoops. The all-time scoring record remains with Pistol Pete and not Antoine Davis. Details next on Davis's thoughts on not playing in the CBI. This is Outkick 360. Antoine Davis, uh, not pleased that Detroit Mercy didn't have an opportunity to play in the college basketball inv- invitational, the CBI. Outkick 360 rolls on. Got Kurt Schilling coming up in about 30 minutes. So Pistol Pete remains the all-time leading scorer in college basketball history. And by, uh, uh, it's since, what, 70, I believe? 1970, yeah. Yeah, it was his final year. And then you have uh, Davis, who's been in college, uh, at least five seasons now. And Detroit Mercy played hoops during the COVID season. And his team this year was 14 and 19 on the season. The CBI, when Davis finished four points shy of breaking the record and a three-pointer, which he attempted at the buzzer, despite a game not being in question against Youngstown State, um, three points shy of tying the record for Pistol Pete. The CBI tweeted a photo or an image of both Davis and Pistol Pete shortly after that loss in the tournament for Detroit Mercy at 14 and 19. And then they were, they received calls. I, don't, I was going to say inundated. I don't know if, how many calls. They received calls saying, don't let them into the postseason tournament 
because Pistol Pete's record needs to stay where it is based on how things ended in Mercy's tournament, in their conference tournament. Uh, Jason Maravich, a family member, uh, the son, also said he wasn't happy that his, his father's record had a chance to be broken in the CBI. So they confirmed that they did receive calls, and Davis is upset about the people saying, hey, don't let him into the tournament. I feel like I got cheated out or something that they can't ever give back to me. I think it's selfish and weird that people emailed or called the CBI to say we shouldn't be in the tournament because they didn't want me to break the record. But there's nothing to hold my head down about. I still feel like I'm the best scorer in my generation, especially finishing number two behind him. That's from Davis to the Associated Press. The CBI actually did give them an opportunity to be in the 16-team tournament if they paid $27,000, which the school didn't do. Um, you know, they, they decided not to bring on the, the Titans with, with the extend, uh, to extend them an offer of uh, a chance to just jump in the tournament based on the record alone. Uh, some teams get, get the invite, other teams pay, and I went to a school that paid. It's not worth it. Absolutely not worth it for the gate you're going to get in return. Wouldn't it be wise if we're talking NIL? Isn't this a great NIL opportunity for a company to say $27,000 will pay your entry fee and now Davis is going to be a part of repping our company? Yeah. College basketball's yeah. all-time leading scorer now, I think it'd will be, be great on our payroll? If they hosted the game, too, if you're paying. like you, That's part of it as to why you would pay in. Again, like, well, I'm saying they pay on behalf right. of the university, yeah. but that's the NIL payment. To Davis, we're going to do this for you, and now you're going to do some things yeah. for us in repping our brand or our company, whatever it is. That, that was one of the first things I thought, this is a great opportunity for someone they're passing up. And here's the other thing I have to say to Davis on this. Um, I just got a call from the ghost of Pete Maravich, and he thinks he's being robbed because there was no three-pointer when he played, and he would have dominated the scoring title even more if that was the case. I am all for this kid saying, I know I'm the most dominant scorer of my era and this is a long-time record that held up for years, and I was right there, and if we played in the CBI, I'd have been there. But don't tell me that you've been robbed of the record or anything like that because Pete Maravich I mean, didn't have the same opportunities he had and to he score is, points. He is one of the all-time great scorers in college basketball history. No Davis, doubt. He, no he, doubt. He broke the record for most threes made in a career and the most consecutive games scoring in double figures. I mean, a great, and great Pete, career. And, and my point is Pistol Pete didn't even have a three-point line. And yeah, he and, was shooting and, shots from deep. And he did. And it he would what? have shattered this even more games, if he did. Something like that. Played right. 83 games for his, his so, career. So, look, I am. Uh, Antoine Davis is one of the greatest scorers of this era, era, and he deserves respect for that. I'm not trying to knock him, but don't tell me that you've been robbed of the record or a chance to break the record when you're competing against a guy where the three point line didn't even exist. And in a season didn't exist where- until 1985. And that was 15 years after Pistol Pete broke this record. And a season where Davis made 159 threes this year. He was four shy of the single-season record set by Steph Curry in that. Uh, Rick Pitino news coming up. I, I want to give time to this with the, the quotes that he gave at Madison Square Garden. Um, at college hoops-wise, Chad, we're going to be ranking our 16 teams. Re, we're going to reseed. Reshuffle. Uh, I know that you and I are going to be very similar with the top two. Uh, I'm fascinated to see where we are on how we would bet the, the middle of a group that I think is closer to the top than in years past 
from the Sweet 16 perspective. I had a very hard time going teams 5 through 12. Yeah. And I feel like I could just – I could have ordered them completely in reverse and it would have looked okay. If I put 12 at 5 and just flipped it, it wouldn't have looked that off. That's how close all these teams were. St. John's is going to be back as a, a national staple for college hoops. Um, they've been there. Patino says he's bringing them back. But he's not going to bring back all of the, 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 the roster. He's going to turn over quite a bit of it. And he's going to do it in style, as, as Patino is known to do. We'll dive into that. Plus, Ja Morant and the fact he's about to play again after the suspension, which, I mean, the eight-game suspension, that happened fast, retroactively. Well, it's a, how does the NBA have this many games left? I look at the schedule when the playoffs it's, it start, never ends. and I'm thinking, there's that many games left in the season. They really crammed that schedule down right here at the end of the season. I guess it's to get all those games out for all the load management going on, leading up for the playoffs. you got to have enough games in the schedule where uh, you just sit everyone out for the last two I, weeks. Legitimately, I saw a tweet about how it was breaking news that Anthony Davis was going to play a back-to-back, back-to-back games instead of load management keeping him out of one of those games. Awful. What would Willis Reed think about this? That's another story we'll get into in the next That's hour. That's right. Headlines when we return... We lead with Rick Pitino, Ja Morant's return, and we take into account the late, great Willis Reed, who passed away. That's all straight ahead, plus Kurt Schilling on Outkick 360.